So this morning's sermon is titled, uh, Prophetic Vision. And I, I must admit to you, I grew up in, uh, I was baptized in a Baptist church here in uh, Houston's oldest uh, African-American church, actually, Antioch Missionary Baptist Church downtown. Uh, that is where I was baptized. It is the first church founded by freed slaves, uh, and it's still standing downtown. And uh, so I grew up Baptist, baptized Baptist, and then my mother moved us to, um, to Lakewood Church, and at that time, John Osteen was the pastor, and uh, it, was, it was a little different. Well, we still believed in hell and brimstone back then. And, um, and so, <laughs> well, they do, but just not public, Carol. They don't talk about it too much, as much as we used to it there. Uh, but... Uh, I am used to the tradition of prophecy. I have experienced uh, prophecy in worship services, and I've heard pe people, uh, as they would say, prophesy. And at Lakewood Church, what they would do whenever someone had a prophecy is someone would come down and stand near Reverend Osteen's desk there, and they would uh, possibly maybe speak in tongues or something like that, and then we would wait you know, we would sing, open our eyes over and over and over and over and over until somebody came down front and offered the English <laughs> version <laughs> of the tongues that were just spoken. So that's kind of been my experience of prophecy growing up. Well, then I went to seminary and I got to experience the prophets, uh, the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs of the world, the ones who actually stood up and they didn't just say, you'll have a better future, if you, if you just change your ways or pay your tithes or do something like that. These prophets were actually saying, woe be it unto you if you will not essentially embrace, embrace a justice kind of mindset. Woe be it unto you if you will not worship God. The Assyrians are coming or the Babylonians are coming or something tumultuous is going to happen because you are not following God's will of love, peace, and justice in the world. So that's a whole nother kind of prophecy that I got to learn about and experience. Also, while I was in New York in seminary, I learned a new word called prophylying. Not prophesying, but prophylying. And so I've been in situations where people will walk up to me on the street and say, I, God has something for you. Well, I'd be like, what? What does God have for me that you know that I don't know about? What did God tell you that God didn't tell me? And then they commence to, you know, say something about who I am or what I've been doing or what have you and make all of these preconceived judgments. And, I, you know, one time this guy was, he started off on a prophecy about uh, my uh, Latin heritage, and I had to tell him, sir, you're prophesying. I may look like a Dominican, but I'm not. So you are way off base with your prophecy today. Stop prophesying in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? So when I think of prophecy today and having a prophetic vision, I think the message for us to reflect on is the message that comes to us through our two churches. German pioneers and settlers that settled in this area and founded this church in 1848. 
They left Germany with a vision for their life. They came here with a vision of creating something new and of being free and creating a life where their children and their loved ones could flourish. That is the vision that they had for themselves. And when I think about also at the same time, there were another group of people in shackles, working as slaves at the same time as the founding of St. Peter, who also had a vision and a hope for their lives as well too. They may not have been able to see anything beyond the current situation, but they trusted and believed God that things would be better and that both of these groups could create a meaningful and successful life for themselves. I would maintain that prophetic vision is not about just saying Jesus wants justice in the world. It's not about just saying, woe be it unto you. It's not about just saying, thus saith the Lord. A prophetic vision is when you look at the totality of your life, when you look at the meaning of your life and you see something and you want something that is better. And if that better is rooted in faith and rooted in God, then that vision itself is a prophetic vision. We have allowed for far too long for one group to say that prophecy is only about justice and for another group to say that prophecy is only about your spiritual journey. I would say that prophecy is about the hope of the church and the hope of our lives and the hope of our communities. The two are not separate from each other or divided from each other. There was also a prophetic vision when Cathedral of Hope Houston was planted here in Houston. And there was a little bit of prophetic vision, and I'll tell the truth and shame the devil, and a little bit of ego and pride. Many of them thought the name would do it. They thought that all the people that had moved from Dallas to down here would want to come to Cathedral of Hope Houston. They thought that Cathedral of Hope Houston, the name, would be enough to attract hundreds of people. We now know that is not what happened. But the prophetic vision, the part of that that was about there is a need and there is a space for a church like Cathedral of Hope Houston. That lives on today. So even when our prophetic visions have too much ego in them, God still makes a way when there is no way. Just as the original pioneers and Germans probably never imagined a black guy would be standing in the pulpit <laughs> preaching. I'll stop there. They probably didn't imagine a whole lot of things would be happening here on this property. I thank them as I walk past the graveyard all the time and just tell them, don't, don't be rolling over back there. It's going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. They probably didn't imagine this future 
but what they imagined is that they would leave a legacy and something that means something to this community. And when Cathedral of Hope was planted, they probably never imagined that it would one day be merged and united into St. Peter. But here is where we are, on the precipice of having to create a new prophetic vision for the future. A new vision that does not leave out the fact that we all need to have some sort of a relationship with God. A new vision that does not leave out the fact that we are called to do something meaningful and to change Spring Branch and to change our community and to change this city. And so this is the prophetic vision. This is the hope for the future. When we uh, were riding in, uh, actually coming home last night, I, I shared with uh, Marcus, I said, you know, um, we're going to do all of this work, and we'll have a thriving and wonderful unified church. I said, but can you imagine 40 years from now, us sitting in the pew, Isaiah's probably the pastor. <laughs> or Aaron. Or Luke. Talking a whole lot of stuff and wanting to do a whole lot of things that I don't agree with. Because I will be 80. <laughs> I will be cantankerous. And I will say that that's not how I would have done it. But the prophetic vision would have been placed in him, in them, in the future. And the time, all, it always comes for all of us when we have to say things are always changing. They're always changing and evolving. And where can we plug into that? Where can we live into that? Where can we say, yes, this is our heritage, this is our tradition, this is the, the essence out of which we were formed, but now where do we strive for something greater and something different now? Both of our churches. Cathedral of Hope, you've been running with a whole lot of change over the last year. We're not done just yet. I heard somebody say about Houston, the one thing that is constant is change. We'll tear down a building in a heartbeat. I know one building that's not getting tore down at 9022 Long Point. I think the words from Habakkuk, and I don't know if you've heard that joke about, you know, what book did Papa write? I think that's what it's called, and they say, Habakkuk. Uh, You'll probably get it on your way home. I'll leave it with you. <laughs> but God says to Habakkuk to write the vision and to make it plain. We can no longer wander aimlessly without a vision. We can no longer wander aimlessly without a purpose. 
There is so much need that is out there. There is so much for us to do that God is calling us to do. And we must write it and make it plain and do as the writer says, to run on and to run our race and to run our course. When we look to what happens in the gospel today, we see that Jesus heals this blind man. And what I find so interesting about the healing of this blind man is if you notice, it didn't happen the first time. Jesus puts his hands on him and it doesn't happen. And he says, I see trees. They look, when Vicki, when you were reading it, I was thinking about, uh, what is it where he said, I see dead people in that movie. <laughs> Sixth sense. He puts his hands on his eyes to heal him, and he's not healed the first time. But the man is healed the second time. So Jesus couldn't heal him the first time. It took the second time. The lesson that Jesus is teaching the disciples and teaching us that I want us to all be clear going forward. We may not get it right in the first month. There will be some Sundays when we don't get it right, even on a joint special Sunday service. But they trusted in the healing, and the man was healed. And so we also must trust that God will open our eyes to a vision, a prophetic vision of a future for our church. We may, like this blind man, flumber around and work and try to work it out and have to argue it out and figure it out. It may not be all nice, neat, and pretty and in a package right away, but we have the promise, the same promise that this blind man has. Our eyes will indeed be opened to the vision of the future that God has. For our unified church. We all know in our lives how often we personally have not gotten it right, but have gotten it wrong, and had to wait for Jesus to open our eyes and to reveal to us where we are off course. Sometimes the lesson comes later because we're not ready for our eyes to be opened. So they're closed until the appointed time in which the lesson arrives that our eyes are ready to be open, to see what God is calling us to do and to be. You know, I think about, um, there was a trip that I was taking uh, when I was in the Navy. We were driving to, um, to um, San Diego, uh, going back, and. Uh, back there when I was stationed in the Navy, and on the way there, we had to cross all of these big canyons kind of right outside of California. There's all these big canyons and mountains, and, you, and there was all of this fog, so much fog, and I just couldn't see, and I was driving. I'd been driving for hours, and I was tired, and we may have run out of vodka, but we were, we were, we were going. And I was tired and exhausted, and, and the fog was there, and I could not see what was next. All I could do was trust the direction I was going. 
All I could do is to trust that even though my eyes were open and I, could, I knew what direction I was headed on, all I could do is trust that God was opening my eyes and leading me in the direction that I needed to go. The bridge didn't have to be there because <laughs> it looked like it wasn't. But I would allow the fog to dissipate and to clear up and my eyes were open to see the road that I needed to go on. So it is a matter of trust. It is a matter of faith that God is providing a way even when it looks like there's no way. It is a matter of trust that even when the road seems foggy, it is clearing up and a vision, a way forward is being made. Every day we take steps not knowing what is beyond that next step. Dr. King said faith is taking the first step, not seeing the rest of the staircase. Every day we get in cars and zoom around this city at 70, 80 miles per hour. It's one of the most dangerous activities we do. It's more deadlier than flying in an airplane, but we trust that God carries us through. The reason we focused on opening our eyes today is that I believe that God is calling us, our unified church, to open our eyes, to open our eyes to all of the possibilities that lay before this congregation, to open our eyes and to be focused, to write a vision and to make it plain. I said last Sunday in our meeting, some churches do a whole lot of things and end up doing nothing. They're not focused. There is no vision. God is calling us to open our eyes to a new vision, a new reality. There is so much to be done in our community. There is so much to be done in our lives. People come to this church for hope. They come to this church to find a new way of living and being. And at the same time, we must be transformed, but we must also transform our communities. What good is a faith in Jesus Christ if it cannot move us to eradicate poverty in this community? What good is a faith in Jesus Christ if it does not move us to mold those young men in the Boy Scouts? What good is a faith in Jesus Christ if we cannot feed those who are hungry around us? What good is a faith in Jesus Christ if we are not a church that stands up for peace? What good is a faith in Jesus Christ if we have all of this movement and all of this potential, but we are afraid to lay hands on each other and say, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ? That's a bold new faith. Progressives don't lay hands on folks. But we do it here. What good if it is not a unified faith that sees how we are to change the world, but also how we are supposed to be changed and heal the people who come through these doors. That is the prophetic vision of our church. And Vicki will tell you and the rest of the ministers here will tell you 
As I told Cathedral of Hope when I started, there is no other church like our church in this city. And it's by design. It is God's vision. You're either going to get all Jesus and a lot of hand raising and a lot of life transformation, but you may not be welcome there, some of you. Or you'll get all justice and no spirit and no transformation. And guess what? Some of you here won't be welcome there. You won't find another church like the one we are preparing to create. If you do, let me know. But that is the prophetic vision of our unified churches. And the people of God said, amen. Amen.